G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Life and vitality is experienced by walking with God. You can't walk with God unless you're walking with God's people. Hello and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Today we continue hearing about how to bear each other's burdens as we are called by God to live in community and to invest in it deeply. And I'm telling you that when you've had a Jesus revelation of the load He's carried for you, there's something that is stirred within you. And do you realize this is what truly changes the world? This is Today with Jeff Vines, and we continue to bear each other's burdens. I love the story of Elias Santana. One of my favorite stories, he's from the Dominican Republic, went to medical school in the United States through Campus Crusade, became a Christ follower, and knew that if he was a genuine Christ follower, the only thing he could do is go back to the Dominican Republic to serve the people, to serve his family, to serve those who were in great need. So he got this great idea. He graduated with honors, had a medical degree. So once a week, sorry, a month, he would take the flight over to Puerto Rico, work for one week out of the month, make all the money he could in the medical profession, and then come back to the Dominican Republic and stand on the back of a pickup truck and dispense clothing and food and medical supplies and treat people who had medical conditions. Three weeks out of every month, one week in Costa Rica or Puerto Rico, three weeks in the Dominican Republic, standing on the back of a truck. Now, there's a guy named Julio who was witnessing all this. He was the leader of the Marxist movement in the Dominican Republic. And he saw all of this. And one day while Elias Santana was on the back of the truck, somebody shouted to Julio, Julio, Elias is winning people to Jesus Christ. Your movement's in big trouble if you let this guy continue. To which Julio responded, what can I do? Elias Santana has earned the right to be heard. (laughs) Man. Christ knows that by calling us through mercy and grace into this community that there would be change happen in us, that we'd bear each other's burdens. And when we bear each other's burdens, we would have this catalytic thing happen in us when we would want to go bear the burdens of the world. That's not all. The second thing is we bear each other's sins. Oh, now it gets personal. Look at the passage again. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression... You who are spiritual should restore him in a spiritual gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now there are a lot of theologians that believe the burden talked about in Galatians 6 is is not tragedy. That it's the burden of sins. And the reason God calls us into community is to hold each other accountable. To help each other stay on mark. Now here's the working premise of the early church. Please stay with me here. Life and vitality is experienced... By walking with God. You can't walk with God unless you're walking with God's people. Because God's people 
are the one who hold you accountable and speak truth in love into your life. So if you're in isolation, if you're in isolation, you'll never be able to walk with people or walk with God. And if you're not walking with people or with God, you're on a road that ultimately leads to destruction. And the example they would use was back in Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve kicked God out and then God kicked them out. Separating from God, you're separating from each other. And you're on a path of not life, but of death and devastation. Now here's the problem. If this is true, that God has called us out of the world into community. And if it's true, that if we walk with God and community, then we'll walk in the ways of God and a life of health and wealth and vitality will become ours. The problem is this. We are a subjective people. We think with our feelings. And so we are incredible at being able to rationalize that what we feel must be right. And the further we get into isolation, the more we're able to convince ourselves that this is from God. When it can be the farthest thing from God known to man. That's why God said, I need you to come out. Bring your fig leaves if you want. Cover yourself up. But I need you in community because one by one, we're going to remove them. Now, we're not going to become a nudist colony. It's a spiritual connotation, okay? <laughs> that one by one, we're going to be honest with each other and get each other on the road to righteousness. In community, it's the place. It's the place where we keep each other honest about the road we're on, the decisions we're making. You will not be able to do that in isolation because you, like me, we're not strong enough. And we're, we're brilliant Brilliant at rationalization. Man, we're so good. <laughs> when I was going through my anxiety disorder, my personality is the type that whatever's wrong, I want to fix it right now. So I'll, whatever drug the doctor offered me give, me, give me some more, give me some more. I'm sure we can beat this with drugs. And I had every kind of drug you could imagine in me because the doctors didn't know what was wrong either. They were, I was a guinea pig. And I showed up at the golf course to play around the golf with my friend Mike Masters, and he took one look at me, walked right up into my face and said, Jeff, I know you're my pastor, and you're also my friend. Stop depending on drugs to heal you. You need to get on your knees and pray that God would show you the way out of this. Now, I have an addictive personality, and I want to tell you, the first time I took Xanax, it was like, woo, this is wonderful. Why would you not want this? <laughs> Of course, the problem is the more you take it, the more you need it. And then you get to a point where no amount of it will give the effect. And now you're addicted. Now you're poisoning yourself. I just, I look back and I think, what would have happened to me had my friend Mike not spoken truth into my life? It could have destroyed my family, my life, my ministry, everything. Do you know how many pastors fall because they live in isolation? Because there's not community to hold them accountable? We help each other in this community. God said, I want you in because you're going to, in this community, hold each other accountable in love with the spirit of gentleness and you're going to drop your guard. You're going to allow people to speak into your lives and to see what Mike Bro said was the sin beneath the sin. You're going to have people around you that say, whoa, why are you gossiping? Why do you covet things? Why do you get so attached to things that you should never be attached to? You know, when I first came, to San Dimas, I wasn't sure yet if I was an Angel or a Dodger fan. It was, there was a period of uh, vagueness there. You know, I grew up a Dodger fan, but the Angels were closer and the stadium was easier to get to, so I was struggling a little bit. I went to Dodger Stadium to see the Dodgers play the Angels, and the Angels were killing the Dodgers. It's like 11 to 2. 
And it was like the fourth or fifth inning. So I get up to get a couple of Dodger dogs and a Diet Coke. <laughs> Makes no sense, does it? And so I'm walking back and I pass by this young guy that's probably 21 or 22 years old and he's crying. He's crying. And I walk by and I think, dude, man, are you crying? He had the Dodger hat, the Dodger shirt, everything. And for some reason, I'm not sure what happened, but for some reason he saw my face as a friendly face and he grabbed me by the arm. And he said, dude, can you believe the coach keeps sending these lousy pitchers in? And we're just getting creamed. And he was was really crying. Now what I wanted to say, dude, you got issues, man. This is just a sporting team. I mean, but, but isn't it true that some people attach themselves to something they believe will be successful to give them their own significance and purpose in life? That's why we have suicides after the Super Bowl and the World Series, or if a team is doing badly, the whole city crumbles. If you're in isolation, you can get so far into darkness, you can't even see where the light is. We are masters at rationalizing our behavior. That's why, here's what we see in the New Testament. Now let these soak in, okay? In Acts 2, we read, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread and prayer. Devoted, they were always together. And do you know how many one another's are in the Bible? There are more one another's in the Bible than the number of people who have hopped on the Dodger bandwagon in the last two months. <laughs> Listen to them. Colossians 3.16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. 1 Thessalonians 5, listen to this, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Hebrews 3.13, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You can be deceived. If you're in isolation and you'll have no trouble finding enough friends who will come around you and tell you that you're doing the right thing. So it's not only about community, it's the right community. Hebrews 10, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. It, it, I, th- I find it humorous that we think we're the first generation to say, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Dudes, they've been saying that since first century. Because being part of a community costs you something, the larger one and the smaller one. James 6 says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Why do the New Testament writers repeat this over and over and over again? And here's why. Because we have a tendency to hide in the crowd. Because we know that coming into community, people will discover the real us. But that's the only way that we can become the people God desires us to become. Because in isolation, we are masters at rationalization. This is Today with Jeff Vines, and we're being reminded we have been called to live in genuine community and to bear each other's burdens. Let's continue with Pastor Jeff. Everybody knows somebody who's saying, I'm a Christian, and you're thinking, well, dude, why are you doing that? And of course, they've got it all rationalized out. And then you say to yourself, I can't believe that a Christ follower would come to that conclusion. But down deep inside, you know exactly why. You remember the little story that Mike Bro told us the first time he preached here? It's one of my favorites still. It's where the woman 
is going on her way to work and she passes a department store and there's a parrot in the window and the parrot says, you're ugly. <laughs> and she thought, well, next morning, gets dressed, goes to work, passes by the same storefront window, parrot's there, parrot says, you're ugly. Now she's getting a little bit ticked at this parrot. Third day, same thing, walks by the window, parrot, you're ugly. And now she's livid. She goes in and says, if that parrot tells me that I'm ugly one more time, I'm suing this department store. Fourth day, she gets up. She goes by the window. She walks by. The parrot says, you know. (laughs) Yeah. The reality is, you know exactly why this person is doing what they're doing. Because in isolation, you become a master at rationalizing anything that you want to do. Anything. Come on, folks. That's why I use the example of American Idol. Really? Some of these guys that audition, where are their friends? In the name of all that is good and sacred, where's the friend that will say, dude, you can't sing. You're terrible. I don't care what your mommy told you. You're a terrible singer. I love you so much that I cannot let you go on national television and embarrass yourself. You can't sing. I've got a friend that I've been friends with for over 20 years and he's distraught right now because his daughter has gone off the deep end. And he'll say, Jeff, I just don't understand it. I saw this coming. Little by little, she moved away from the church, moved away from community. No investment in a group of people and nobody making an investment in her life. And then she comes to me one day and she says, God has sent me this guy. Now, if I had the time to tell you about this guy, you would know this is not a guy that's been sent by God. (laughs) But she's convinced She's rationalized it. Well, why do I feel this way? Only God can make me feel this way. Oh my goodness. If you extrapolate that out, oh. That's like saying, God understands that times are tough and I need to return to alcohol and drugs. God understands that my marriage is struggling, so I need this affair to get my significance back. God understands that I feel alone. Therefore, I've got to move in with this man that I'm not married to so that I don't lose him. In isolation, you become a master at rationalization. And you know what's at stake? Everything. Because in this community, God wants to show the world what a community of mercy is like, but he also wants to show the world what a community of holiness and purity is like. Let me tell you what's happening, then I want to make my last point. Let me tell you what's happening in our modern day church. In the past, the church has been extremely judgmental, hasn't it? Extremely. As a whole. I mean, do you remember in the 70s and 80s, if you got a divorce, it's like you go straight to hell. You don't even get any grace or mercy. I mean, it's pathetic, isn't it? How we didn't care and weren't really concerned about real life and real people. But we've gone too far the other way now. Today, we love the story about, hey, haven't you read what Jesus said about the plank and the speck in your eye? You know where Jesus says, before you remove the speck in your brother's eye, remove the plank in yours? Yeah, but you're missing the point of the passage. The passage still tells you to go and remove the speck. It just says, make sure when you go, you're aware of the plank that's in yours. The meaning of the passage is about gentleness. And if you are aware of your own sin, when you're talking to somebody else in community about theirs, you're going to do it in a soft and gentle and loving way. Instead, what we have today is a whole group of people that don't want to confess anything about their lives to each other because we don't trust each other because we forgot that we're called into a community of mercy. The last thing I want to do is have you open up and talk to me about your struggles because if you do that, then I'm going to have to open up and talk about mine. So let me just live in isolation. 
do my weekend church attendance thing, be committed to community, generally speaking, but never get into anybody's lives, bearing anybody's burdens, and never let anybody bear mine. Can I ask you something? Isn't it true that Jesus should make a difference in your life? I mean, I know we're not perfect, but isn't it true that if you struggled with your anger 20 years ago, that you should be making some improvements today? I mean, everything I understand about the transformational work of the Spirit, I know that we all move at different paces. I got that, but we're all still moving, right? I mean, think about it. <laughs> Let's say that you started a diet, and for three months you punished yourself. No coffee, no chocolate, things that God himself made. You denied yourself. And then after three months, you gained 10 pounds. Wouldn't you think that there's something fundamentally wrong with this diet? Let's say you went to the gym and you hired a trainer. And after three months, rather than being muscular and losing weight, you've got more body fat now than you had when you started. When you think, man, there's something wrong with this trainer and his program. What if you went to take music lessons? Let's say piano lessons for a year. And even after a year, you still can't play chopsticks. There's something fundamentally wrong. I believe the same thing is true, man. If you're a Christ follower and you're not making improvements in your life, there's something fundamentally wrong. And it's usually one of two things. Either one, you've never truly had a Jesus revelation. You thought you were getting a get out of hell free card, some kind of loophole that you found in Jesus, but you never even concerned about committing your life to him. But more often than not, it's the second. You're a Christ follower. You came to Jesus, but you're living in isolation. And you cannot walk with God in isolation. You can't because you need each other in this community to speak words of truth into your life. That's why we read in Acts chapter 2 every day. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We are to bear each other's sins. And it's why community is imperative, not optional, because you won't make it. A major part of walking with God is walking with his people. And that's why in Ephesians 4, we're told, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Bear one another's burdens, bear one another's sins, and bear one another's fears. This is the end. This is the end of the passage. Let me read it to you. Something beautiful here. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. If you live outside a community, when you need it the most, it's not going to be there. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. You obey the law of the spirit, it's going to come around to you. And then he says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So much is happening here, but because of time, one thing. Paul is brilliant and he knew the question would come, is it all worth it? I mean, bearing other people's burdens? Pastor Jeff, I got enough burdens of my own. Bearing other people's sins? Pastor Jeff, I got enough issues of my own. Is it all worth it, Pastor? I mean, can I just get on with my life and live the way I want? And the answer, of course, is yes, you can, but it won't end well. Because you can't bear your burdens alone. And you can't bear your sins alone. They're too heavy and they're too complex, but in community, we bear each other's burdens. And the best life that you could ever live, you think is isolated, but it's actually in true, authentic community with fellow Christ followers that over time you will learn to speak truth into each other's lives and love each other and bear each other's burdens. 
Don't you get the reality that this whole thing of community is a foreshadowing of the life that is to come? Remember what Revelation says? There's a new heaven and there's a new earth. There's a place where we're going to be God's people. And he's going to be our God. And there's a holy city coming down out of heaven like Jerusalem, adorned. Our sins have been forgiven. There's going to be no more death, no more mourning, crying, or pain for the old order of things have passed away. Do you know the Hebrew word for trust means careless? Wow. It means you get a point where, man, God's in charge. I'm just going to do this. Now, you don't, now don't go out and play in the middle of the street and say, I'm trusting God. <laughs> There's no cure for stupid. But again, something happens. You know, what this group does, it bears your burdens it bears your sins because that's the best life to walk in purity and holiness. But it also keeps you on the mark reminding you that you're going to heaven and not get sidetracked and so discouraged by everything else and live life to the fullness. And there'll be no more burdens to bear. <laughs> he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. There'll be no more sins to bear. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. We have the rags or the robe of righteousness that have replaced the filthy rags of unrighteousness. Isaiah 1 says, though your sins are scarlet, they shall be white as snow. And there'll be no more fear to fear. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest. What does that mean? Well, it could mean that we're so compelling by the life that we live that people come on the inside of the group. But it also could mean what Jesus referred to in Matthew 13 is one day God will send the harvester and we will be gathered up together to be the people of God where this community that was practiced down here will be fulfilled in the life that we truly always wanted. You need, we need each other, folks. And if you're going to be a person who has the gospel in your life, you got to bear each other's burdens, bear each other's sins, bear each other's fears, and to remind each other of what you're really about, what God wants to make you, and the destination to which you're headed. That can never happen in isolation. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the grace that we received, that we've been invited into this community by mercy, not because we were good, but even... Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. I pray that we would have been stirred, that something would have happened, that we would have realized that the reason we're making so little progress is because we're living in isolation. In isolation, we become masters at rationalization. That as hard and difficult as it is, we have been commanded to move and live in community where there can be accountability, where when the time comes in our lives, when we're going to need a group of people around us to walk us through a tragedy, that there will be people there to be specifically involved, not from a distance generally, but specifically coming close and bearing the load and walking in our shoes and tilting the burden so that it can be shared equally. Help us to be a people who have seen that you bore our burden, one that we could never bear ourselves. Therefore, we will be people who will bear the burdens of the world. In Christ's name I pray.
Thanks for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. We've been hearing about how to bear each other's burdens. God has called us to live in genuine community in order that we can support others and be carried through hard times ourselves. To hear more from Pastor Jeff, you can head to vision.org.au and search for Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines, just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.